Welcome to Mixed Company. Bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 23, Mixed Company. I know, right? I just saw Karina's face light up. It's literally our Michael Jordan episode. So um, let's do this. Like, we got six rings, right? He's got six rings, right? He's totally got six rings. I mean, he probably could buy them at this point. No, he don't need to buy them. He earned that. He has eight. That man earned that. Okay. So we're actually a full house today. Yay. I feel like we haven't had a full house in such a long time. Welcome back, Karina. Hi. Client's um, business trip was a success. So. Oh, yeah. Did you bring in some more money? Did you get promoted? Did you write down I'm on my track to get promoted. Perfecto. That's what I like to hear. Amen. We missed you, homegirl. Oh, I missed y'all too. Did you? I did. And I'm, but guess what? What? It's like a few days to my birthday. I know. <laughs> what are we doing for your birthday? We can party up. Are you sure? Why not? Are I don't sure? know. Can you be acting like you don't be really wanting a party? Like, we gonna party or we have to, we're just gonna because, have a party? I don't know. We're just gonna party. Have a party. That's too much stress. We're gonna join somebody's party. In the Bronx? No. Okay, okay. good. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, there was a meme the other day. And it was like, it was like how I, when people say they're from the Bronx, this is what I picture. And it was like a scene from like 1990s Street Fighter <laughs> video game, like on Yo. second Genesis. <laughs> it's so distra- I, I took some, I've been taking like really good pictures and I went to the Bronx Museum of Arts. And somebody left like, oh my God, like all I know about the Bronx is like crackheads and stuff. And I was like, really? Underneath my nice picture? Yeah, we watched the Get Down. <laughs> we know. We know. Oh, Shout out to Baz Lerman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Nice. So what about you? What's going on? Um, work. Yeah. It's a lot of work going on these days. <laughs> It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But it's all but, good. But it is 70-something degrees outside, so there's hope. Is Amen. it officially 70-something? Because I've been arguing with people it all day. It was 70-something today. It was not 70-something today. It only went up to 69. I had been checking all day. But it beats 50 and below. It does. It absolutely beat 50 and below. You're right. Okay. Where and like- when? <laughs> At what time? Orlando said it was 72, but I don't believe that. I it was. It, it felt like seventy two. Let me. Just I'm check just this so happy that I've we... had this conversation several times. Now we know tomorrow it's going to reach eighty. Praise. But at no Lord. point today was it sixty two, seventy two. Oh yeah, it was. <laughs> oh no, this is tomorrow. That's tomorrow. Praise the Lord. In Brooklyn, I don't work in Brooklyn. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't work in Brooklyn. Anyway, doesn't matter. It was a good time. It was a good time with all the people today, and I'm glad to be here with you all. So, um, I don't have any letters. Anybody have any comments, feedback? No. Can we move right into? <laughs> can we move right into dope shit and yeah. or bullshit? Yes. Hey. I have bullshit. We, 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 so we Maybe uh, we should be a, maybe I that vol- should be a game like I either dope shit or bullshit. Right. I volunteer as tribute to go last. Uh, I'll do my dope shit first. Okay. Um, my dope shit is a Cindy Gallup um, chatbot. Oh, yeah. Which was released, um, I guess, like March 31st, whatever the last day of equal pay day is. Um, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, 
Look, I've been busy. Give me my 20% discount. Um, but basically, the Sydney Gallup chatbot is a on-demand advice, artificially intelligent chat service for women to use to figure out how to ask for more money at work. So uh, I tried to use it, but unfortunately, it said, you are a man, you cannot. Um <laughs> Uh, but no, I just wanted to use it to see to see how it worked. But um, basically, you can go on there if you have a question on how to like approach your boss for a raise or negotiate more money um, when you're going out for a new job. You can use the Sydney Gallup uh, chatbot, and I think it's if you do X, if you go to X Cindy Gallup um, on Facebook, mm-hmm. it will uh, take you to the chatbot. So I'm just so if you go to the Cindy Gallup, uh, if you go to X Cindy Gallup on Facebook, it will take you to the chatbot, and you can ask her any question that you have about getting more money. Hey, I love it. I'm gonna do that. I love it. I I also like to say that Cindy Gallup is always out here trolling people, <laughs> and I appreciate all her shade she and is. all of its shining glory. She said her favorite strategy is uh. W-W-A-S-W-G-D. What? what would a straight white guy do? I know hey. that's right. Hey. <laughs> Listen, that's real. Yeah. That's real, that's real, that's real. What about you, Karina? I don't know if this is dope shit or ain't shit because it's... Mm, <laughs> dope shit or ain't shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like that. That's what I call it. <laughs> yes. So um, if you haven't seen it, the Huffington Post, my, I guess it's one of my favorite news sources now for the week. Let's see a bit. Um, they did a post on Ryan Mendoza. He's an artist, and he bought Rosa Parks' house for five hundred dollars to save it. Excuse you? Yes. Oh, he bought it for five hundred dollars to well, save it. Well, I'm uh, sorry. I'm, let ahead. me take a step back. Sorry. I'm telling the story wrong. The city of Detroit was going to sell Rosa Parks' house for five hundred dollars. Well, Let's just Detroit. sit on that. It is Detroit. Continue. So, Rosa Parks' buying is... property for like a dollar, though. <laughs> Family, but That's still, it's Rosa Parks' house. Like, mm-hmm. so this artist he teamed up with one of Rosa Parks' uh, family members. I, I believe it's his daughter, but I'm just gonna say family members for the sake of reporting the story. And she gave him the house as a gift, and now the house is in Berlin, Germany. Mm-hmm. And they have this hope that the America will, that means a large hope, will realize its wrongs and actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Good. And actually, like, appreciate the people who have made strides for us and, and appreciate their legacy. And he's in hopes of that moment That's saving sweet. this house. Wait, so what? he's doing it. <laughs> I, I mean, I get it. You, you know, when you do things because you want to set a good example and you want to show people that, you know, yeah, they're wrong about their preconceived notions about other people. But he said something really like interesting in, in his video interview. He's like, you know, in a lot of other countries, people can look back and acknowledge their wrongs. And we as Americans, we don't do that. And he's hoping for that time when we actually can, you know, wake up and realize our shit 
mm. to appreciate, you know, the future and do better. Does in he life. Mean all of us? No, maybe not mm. all of us, but like a, a good chunk of us. So when we realize that he's gonna give the house back. No. 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 Oh. It's a gesture. It's a kind gesture. <laughs> Of passing on good fortune. He's literally doing a pass it on, pass it on. That's, isn't that how that movie yeah. goes? I think so, yeah. Pay it forward. So He's paying it forward. By saving the house. Yes. Okay. Why by keeping up like the legacy no of Rosa Parks. Why like, are you looking like no one's ever done anything nice for you? No, I'm just trying to figure out what that, what. Like what his purpose is? How his purpose relates to taking the house to Berlin. To save it, because if it stays in Detroit, somebody's going to burn that shit down, or it's going to come crack house, or someone's going to demolish that shit for $500. I mean, but I feel like, that, I, feel like I didn't say it's going like to become a crack house. It's all Karina, so anybody that may or may not be from the Detroit, a.k.a. Detroit area, okay, it's but not me, it's her. Sorry like for being patient. Have, I feel like he could have spoke to any like place in America and been like, hey, I'm buying this house. Why don't we put the house here? He has to. He's saving the house. He's actually like time capsuling I the mean, house. I mean, you could have did that in America. Could he? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it's it Rosa was, Parks, dog. It's not like it's also Rosa Parks' house that's been there since I'm sure she was alive, and yeah. the fact that it's below any any value of any home. I don't. I guess I don't necessarily feel like it, it matters. Move. Like, yeah. He also could have left it there, and it could have been sold, and nothing done with it. Mm, true. Well, I thought it was a nice story. Nice the gesture. <laughs> I'm more curious how he got it to Berlin, but I guess I'll research that on my own. That's right. You're good at finding a, a, a rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, I got some ancient commentary. Um. So... Recently, uh, for those of you that have been paying any attention to pop culture, the news, Twitter, Instagram, Huffington Post, TMZ, whatever your your means of capturing news from, um, Pepsi was out here just making a total ass fuck of itself. Like, there's no other way to describe it. Um, for those of you that don't know, so Pepsi uh, recently released and also retracted a an ad campaign for their what was the it was uh join the conversation like mm-hmm. ha- they're join the conversation mm-hmm. essentially yep. um yep calling for young millennials to take a stand with them for unity and peace right great yep. sounds mm-hmm. cute just <laughs> as cute as taking rosa park's house to berlin got it um, what they did was they created a commercial that centered around a uh, protest of sorts, a march of young, diverse people marching in the streets, joining in ha- joining hands, drinking Pepsi, high-fiving, dancing hip-hop, uh, taking pictures. Uh, playing the cello. Playing the cello. The cello <laughs> like all the things that you would normally see at some sort of protest or march, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Being an asshole. Um, <laughs> this commercial also starred Kendall Jenner, who is, of course, kin to the famous or infamous, depending on you know what kind of TV you watch, uh, Kardashian family. Um, who might I actually? She looked absolutely gorgeous, absolutely beautiful. Not gonna shit on her. 
Um, but she's modeling because that's what you do during marches. She's in the middle of a photo that's shoot what she do. during a march. <laughs> and she just keeps noticing all these cool things. And she decides, you know what? Damn it. I, too, want to join in on this shit. And she rips off her blonde wig and she joins the protesters and the marchers and the masses and has fun drinking Pepsi and watching people play cellos and dancing to hip hop and taking photos. Being in the mix. Um, being in the mix, essentially. She was being real mixy okay. in this commercial. And then finally, in a culmination of unity and happiness and protest and millennialism and fuck shitness, she hands. A group of police officers who, might I add, stand are standing very non-aggressively towards this <laughs> group of happy-go-lucky, hip-hop-dancing, cello-playing, photography-taking protesters. She hands them a Pepsi to show that we are one, and the crowd goes wild. Now, um, I guess the first 10 seconds you think about it, nothing's wrong with this. Um, the last... <laughs> weeks that you think about this you start to realize the point that they're getting at pepsi decided to um essentially i i'm not i'm not gonna say that they didn't do it on purpose because i do believe that we all work in this industry and we understand that it takes it takes a creative brief iterations of a creative brief iterations of a storyboard iterations of legal reviews Mm -hmm. um so somebody at some point said, hey, this kind of looks like, you know, one of those marches that have been going on for what's the thing? Black Lives Matter? Right. So anyway, the moment Kendall hands the Pepsi can to the police officers looks very familiar to those of us that follow the protests and marches in uh, in support of Black Lives Matter and other movements that um, stand against oppression. So great. Everyone's having a great conversation about it. And I come across an email thread um, (laughs) that just, like, man, guys, it just, it took me so many different places. Um, It first pissed me off, and then I felt bad, and then I got mad again, and then I decided that I needed to respond. So without getting into too much detail, because obviously I don't need, there's no reason to put anybody or anything on blast, but the email asks the general question is the Pepsi ad tone deaf response is no. And then goes on to discuss the uh, data-driven reasons why it's not tone deaf. And then goes on to uh, discuss how, um, in a quote of the Pepsi, I guess CEO or head of Pepsi, some really big guy up at Pepsi, Mm -hmm. made a comment recently, I guess at South by Southwest, that uh, envir- social environment change needs the support of large corporations with global infrastructure, and without it, without this, these initiatives will fail. Um, and then closes the email with "Stay woke." So stay with me here, because if you don't know why I'm mad or why I was mad, and I just needed to get this out my system so that I could continue my day, I'm going to explain to you why. I'm going to explain to you why by reading my response. Um, because I do think it's very important. Um, Like I said, we started at the beginning of the year. We said that we had some goals. My goal was to speak up on behalf of of things that I feel passionate about. Come through, Kai. Thank you, girl. Make those goals. And I honestly (laughs) felt like if I did not respond to this email, that I would not only be doing myself a disservice, but I would be doing 
um, everybody that had seen this message a disservice as well as other people that I come in contact with and I tell them to advocate for what they believe, I felt like I'd be doing them a disservice by not taking this opportunity. Um, so I responded, I'd rather we absolutely didn't look at this from a purely metrics-driven perspective. That, in fact, is the exact reason why this ad has resonated so negatively with people who support the resistance movement, which Pe Pepsi purposefully intended to replicate with these visuals. Is Pepsi tone deaf? Yes. In fact, I'd prefer to call bullshit and raise an appropriation flag on Pepsi's distasteful play. In this nearly three-minute-long piece, Pepsi has managed to reimagine the always painful and often violent resistance tactic of marching against oppression as bubbly, fun, and trendy. Which, might I add, I didn't mean for that to sound like soda, but when I read, when I wrote it and I was like, soda's kind of bubbly and fun, I, I mean, it made sense. It's a double mm. entendre. Just call me Jay-Z. <clears throat> I go on to say that even went ahead and redirected the conversations to a call for unity instead of a call for respect dignity and human rights i agree let's stay woke let's recognize when large corporations with global infrastructure are pandering to ignorance and monetizing pain and carnage for the pleasure of selling soda mm. and i meant that with every fiber in my body i wanted to cuss a little bit more but i recognize that that's not productive but i want to say this to everybody that looks at people's pain and judges whether or not it should or should not hurt them and I'd like to say this on behalf of all the people who feel like their opinions don't matter and their pain doesn't matter and that their culture doesn't matter and that everything about their lives doesn't matter because people look at you like a number like a mm -hmm. like a data point on their on their media research mm -hmm. sheet and on their uh creative briefs it's not okay it's not okay for anybody to look at a set of people as a data point. It's not okay to use that same culture. Look, the damn police is coming to get me. It's New York. <laughs> it's New York. <laughs> New York is coming to get me. But it's not okay to look at anybody's culture and just use it for propaganda to because it looks fun. Because, I don't know, I used to, they used to show us, like, videos of the teenagers marching in Selma that didn't look fun to me they used to show us um they used to show us pictures of of students in Soweto marching that didn't look fun to me so mm -hmm. nothing about this is popular nothing about this is cute nothing about this is 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 this ain't a music video right. you know what I'm talking about so in the words of New York City, if you see something, say something. And if you see right. some bullshit, call people on it. And yes, Pepsi's, Pepsi's ad was toned up as fuck, mm -hmm. disrespectful, mm -hmm. and absolutely ridiculous that that shit was greenlit. I mean, I think it's kind of crazy that he would say that it's not toned up when millions of people said that it's toned up. And that's the reason why Pepsi pulled it down. Like... But not only, but that's the, like the that's death. the problem because it's, it's here's the here's the thing and 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 I say this because I don't I my intention right now is not to be disrespectful and it is not to judge people but I want to be very clear it's that kind of thinking that gets the opportunity to sit around these these tables these these figurative tables that we speak mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. 
it's that kind of thinking that allows for these kinds of mistakes and conversations to actually happen. Like, yeah. We wouldn't be sitting here if somebody said, you know what, I think that might be a little too touchy. And I know mm-hmm. SNL did their, um, SNL did a commercial, or not a, a commercial, a skit yeah. about essentially making fun of it. But the reality mm-hmm. is, is simple. Right. Somebody should have, prob- probably did even, but just probably didn't have enough power. Right. And said, you know what? I don't know if everybody's going to like this. Right. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, come on. It's just, it's just, yeah. it's fun. Well, and you see, you can't call the idea but, of being toned. The idea of tone when you're speaking about strategy mm-hmm. is is you want to speak to people's emotions. You want to speak to people's culture. You want to speak to the non-verbals, the non-physicals, the non-calculated, the quality of a person. So if you're going to tell me it's not tone deaf and then turn around and tell me that I need to look at it from a numbers perspective. First of all, I need you to revisit what tone where tone is appropriate <laughs> when it comes to this industry. <laughs> Second of all, I need you to have several seats because you don't get to speak on behalf of me or anybody that looks like me or feels like me or experiences the things that I experience. Mm. That's not your job to tell me what is and isn't appropriate for my culture or tone deaf. Yep. I just feel like when, I don't even feel like, the first time that I saw that spot, I didn't really get it. And I thought about there are because it missed the mark. (laughs) But there are layers. It got me thinking about the process of getting a commercial to air, and if it's done properly, you know, this isn't the real cut as we all know. This is like the cut after you know your your production team sees it, and then this Mm -hmm. is the cut after the marketing team sees it. And if it was done properly, then it may have gone to focus testing, which it probably did not because or it didn't do correct focus testing. Mm -hmm. You know, it just tested a lot of, you know, what's that word? Um, Well, you know, they occupy Williamsburg and shit. But, you know, it. it, it, (laughs) But it wasn't like done properly. And you can tell that with like the work. And even though it may have started out from a, we all know, we all know we have good creative and then it gets squashed because it goes through the marketing department. There were no insights. There was no insight. Like it was clear. The fact that you looked at something, all of us looked at it really at first and was like, I don't get it. That means that there was no insight. It was a jambalaya of all the things that have been provocative over the last couple of years. Yeah. It's it's, so you so you got your trans people, you got your black people. Oh, but there were multiple kinds of black people because it wasn't just somebody that it was Western black. It was also somebody that appeared to be Muslim black. That way we had our Muslim brothers and sisters as well as our black brothers and sisters just in case we needed to make sure we got everybody. And it's two-dimensional because it's like, well, all these people are having some conversations. Let's just make big one conversation and just put them on the side and then have other people on the other side of the conversation just put them all in a group and just just – Bridget with Kendall Jenner. I mean, this 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 is this I don't is... even see the problem with using her. I don't think that no. for Pepsi, for Pepsi, mm-hmm. I don't think that that was the, the bad choice. I think right. the bad choice was the the lack there of storyline, the saying. lack there yeah. of plot, the lack there of insight, and the lack there of execution. So right. so this is this actually just reminded me of something because if if you are working at an agency right now. 
what what they were responding to was the call for diversity, right? So mm. a lot of a lot of and I've I've been notice I've been noticing <laughs> at at work um, that we'll start working on something and we would get <laughs> we would get like toward the end and then somebody would go oh shit wait we where's need to put diversity? where's the diversity <laughs> like, like, that's real we, like we need to put some diversity in there mm-hmm. uh, oh is that a black girl no 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 like like get a we get a dark get- Get a darker black girl. Get get, get, get someone who's a little heavier. Get some like so. <laughs> basically, real. what they were doing was they were trying to respond to the internet call for diversity. Mm-hmm. This is this is their tone deaf response response to things like Oscar So White. Their tone deaf response to people boycotting. Um, their, their tone deaf response to people boycotting uh, the Scarlett Johansson movie that just came out. This was their response to all of that. The problem is, is that they don't understand. They, they, all they want to do is silence mm-hmm. us, right? Because when you, when you just want to silence somebody and you're just trying to appease them, then you say, all right, fuck it. Well, these people just want diversity. So let me just, um, these people just want diversity, so let me just throw all the diversity in in the world um, at them and hope that they love it. Because in in a perfect world, what would have happened is we all would have looked at that and said, "Oh shit! Oh, look, hell no. look at this! <laughs> look at this!" Well, the the response that they wanted was for all of us to look at this and go, "Yo." Uh, Pepsi just had like the dopest commercial ever where they had like all the black people dancing and they had all the Muslim <laughs> people dancing and yo like the cops were like responding to this shit giving them Pepsi like that was dope like that's what they wanted they yeah. wanted they wanted black people to say oh shit I see black people they wanted Muslims to go oh shit I see Muslims they wanted trans people to go oh shit I see they wanted people to feel like they're represented Mm-hmm. Where they fucked up mm-hmm. is you can't represent us without our input. Mm-hmm. Amen. And we talk about this all the time, which is why I guess that like my reaction to the commercial plus my reaction to the email chain that I came across was so like it was such a visceral response. Like I I literally could not in that moment because you're absolutely right. Here people go again. And they want to fucking have some shit to say, but they don't want to do the goddamn research it takes to actually right. understand the where the fuck people are coming from. Right. Because We're the work. Hey, so, so so somebody somebody that I was talking to about it said something to me that was actually really insightful, and she was like, "I mean, it would have been really smart for them to have the police officers hand them a Pepsi." <laughs> that actually you probably would have and that, that would have been that probably would have something worked. so small a nuance so small to show Damn. that you're that the people that are oppressing you are actually extending their hand and that, understanding you that would have been a major fucking difference that probably would have worked you see what i'm saying that would have been epic see now what would have happened is if they would have had a black person at the table which they didn't because all the credits were just of white people. It was also done internal. Like this is also Pepsi's internal team. So this is what yeah. happens. When, this is also what happens when brands think that they know their audience, and really you don't know your audience. Remember, but you know what? I don't. I don't. I don't even 
don't think I don't think I think everyone who keeps pointing that out is just like you're, they're trying to defend agencies. But the, the fact that no, that's is, not a defense. I'm but, telling you, that's what happens. But a, but a, <laughs> but you you can look at brands who have internal agencies who get it who do shit right. Like Nike does. Nike has in, Nike has internal creatives. <laughs> I'm actually about to I'm about to shit on that. But, Kai just changed her pose. I mean, over like, here. But, but you, what, what I'm what I'm saying is, to say that a brand can't do something right internally is not valid. It is valid to say that if you would have had the right people at the table, right, then shit would have got done Absolutely. right. Absolutely. But it's not only having but, but people agency, at the table. But, like, but the but the whole shit with agencies, all of these agencies talk about, oh, this is what would have happened if you would have did it right. All of you agencies are struggling with the same the fucking problems. So you can, you too. can't even like throw stones. The Nivea at- thing wasn't done internal. That fucking came from an agency. Like, here's the thing. People, this is what happens when you value again, when you value quantity over quality. Mm-hmm. When you mm. value um data over valuing insight. When you utilize popularity for culture, like instead of culture. This is what mm. happens when people want to talk about, you know, Pepsi creates culture. Pepsi doesn't fucking create culture. No agency and I, does. And let me say this, and I will say this until I'm blue in the face, and maybe I look like a Pepsi can and probably <laughs> die. Okay? We that work in, in advertising, in marketing, we do not create culture. No, we do not. We, we do not monetize and commercialize culture yes we do so let's be very clear that nothing that pepsi was looking to do was innovative because pepsi is not the first person company brand organization or entity to speak about standing up for unity or to show imagery for uh for for resistance tactics (laughs) you're not Michael Jackson did it in all of his videos from 1995 on. Because mm. all I want to say is they don't really care about us. Yep. Mm. And they and Pepsi tried to burn his hair off. Let's talk about <laughs> that. Let's talk about that. Let's talk disrespectful. about that. Just disrespectful. They still can't get it the fuck right. Anyway, I say all this to say that I was irritated with Pepsi. I was more frustrated to know that people that get the oppor- have the privilege and opportunity to have seats at the table after having constantly having conversations about all the things we talk about and I know they see and I know they read ad week and ad age and Huffington post and Forbes and business review journals and all of that, just like we do. Mm -hmm. And you still don't get it. Are you talking about Pepsi? No, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the person that sent the email, but people like that. Cause it's not just that person. Like there was, there were a lot of, there were a lot of blog responses about like, people just need to chill out. I don't have to do shit. If I'm offended, I'm offended. Right. Right. Period. And you, just you, to, you just need to do better if you want my money. Right. How about that? Exactly. Because you're the consumer. You're the Child. whole reason that they're making the commercial. I just, you know, I don't know. I saw a few posts via my, my Facebook. Holy Lord. And people were putting their comments like, you know, this is why we need more diversity and blah, blah, blah. It's that not may even be why we need more diversity. true, <laughs> but even if you had diverse people at the table, how many people have that voice? Exactly. Have that, that power, that strength, have that insight themselves. Right. Because, never mind, we can go on this forever and ever, and I, don't, I, know, I know I don't want Do to. Do better, but to your point, to your point, just having the numbers there doesn't give you 
the insight needed to be able to get my money the proper way. Right. And you're going to keep pissing people off enough until you don't have shit left. Boom. So. Yay. Yay. And that's our <laughs> segment of dope shit or ain't shit. Dope shit or ain't shit. <laughs> dope shit. Okay. All right. So. With all of that being said, we are going to take a break from simply or only having our main topic um, uh, discuss diversity and inclusion. We're going to talk about something that's even more important than that. Um, and that's a little bit, that has a lot to do with, uh, Karina, with your 2017 priorities, right? Mm-hmm. Self care. Yes. So this week, I just came back from Miami. I got me a nice deep tan. You guys, Karina, you're missing it because you didn't see me last week when I was real crispy. I saw your Instagram photos. Oh, thank you, girl. Yeah. I was very crispy. <laughs> I was like a good freaking piece of just crispy brown, golden bronze skin. It was great. Um, but I just came back from Miami on or with the purpose of taking time for myself after having um, an extended period of time of just working really hard. Mm-hmm. Um. And I feel like I can't, like, what I realized while I was on that trip was if I don't take care of me at the end of the day, like, no one's going to do it. And in an effort for me to be able to do my job in the best possible way, mm-hmm. I need to have something for myself. Yeah. So how do we achieve and keep work-life balance? Work-life balance, for the most part, contributes to productive employees, but we all know that it's going to be really hard to achieve this in the workplace, especially for those of us that work in marketing, advertising, uh, communications, media, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. We're not, we don't get the opportunity to just work nine to five. Right. We have the privilege to be creative, and that is not a nine to five. Some of y'all get That's not a nine to 10. five job. 10 to 6, 9 to 5, whatever. Sometimes we have to be here. So what? After, so, you, after you come um, in at hello, I'm not finished. Children. Sorry, sorry. Some of us have to work till midnight. Sometimes you got to work real late. Sometimes you got to work weekends in order for us to get our products out the door. So in this episode, I want to discuss how, how we can, or how in general all of us, those listening and thus at the table, can create, achieve, and, and keep work-life balance. So... Um, I mean, we could just, I'll just open this up to everybody. Like, what do you consider work-life balance and how has it helped you in your day-to-day work? I mean, I think it's just what you said. Like, work-life balance is neither should outweigh the other, right? So it's like if you're working, <clears throat> I mean, some jobs do this. Like, if, you, if you're working 80-hour weeks, like, they'll give you a few days off to, like, recoup. Like, if... Basically, like, whatever you're doing, like, not, like your job should not take over your entire life. Right. And if you're not careful with advertising or com- any creative industry, period, like, your your job could basically take precedence over everything else that you do. Yeah. I think it's having, having a team or having a workplace that's open for you to do whatever you need to be doing. Like as long as you get what your your work done and you do it in a good like quality work, it's getting done, it's getting done properly, then, you know, having if you take a vacation, it's not looked down upon. If you have to leave, I mean for on the account side, like a lot of us get in at like nine o'clock and 
may leave around five or six may maybe lucky and to be at a now at my current place it's like it's not a problem if someone comes in at like 9 30 10 o'clock as long as they're ready for their meeting that's to me is a balance because you're not restricted to the norms of the environment you're you're making your norm based on your life Mm -hmm. to me that's that opens a door for work-life balance and it's important to me because things happen you know you can't you can't constrict your life to a nine-to-five every day things may happen you may have things to do anything like that and so sometimes it's just having that that emotional and mental support that your office is flexible to me that equals work-life balance so like you being able to come in at 10 o'clock is Balance well, it's not really. She was at just 10 throwing you shade because <laughs> she mad. <laughs> she mad. She gotta be at work at the ass crack of dawn. I'll be walking in at ten thirty, ten forty. Well, <laughs> so I believe that you get everything done on time, Sim, and it's because the, 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 re, the reality of our situation. And here, here's the other thing about being in this industry, right? If you have your email on your phone. You're always accessible. You're accessible. You're, <laughs> you respond to an email. You're working. Mm-hmm. So, for me, I look at my email. I start looking at my email around seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning because mm-hmm. I want to see what lies ahead. And stuff. What happened mm-hmm. while I was sleeping, or what what <clears throat> what's coming up um, during my day. So I'm gonna walk into work when I walk into work because I'm already sending out emails from early in the morning to me that's a balance i don't want to be at my desk right i am not productive when i'm at my desk i know i'm not productive when i'm at my desk um so i don't want to be at my desk so i'm not gonna get to work for nine o'clock because there's nothing that's gonna happen and i believe that's a balance too but for me i haven't been in work environments where that is accepted like you can answer your emails, but best that everyone will still be there at nine o'clock. And if you come in later or nine thirty or even nine forty-five, it's like well, that's culture. That's a, right, that's a yeah. culture. That's a culture aspect. But I, I think all of that contributes to that work-life balance. No, I do. I do think culture plays a big role. Um, one of the things, so everyone doesn't know because I don't promote it like that. But I blog <laughs> every now and again. Um, and I hashtag myself because I'm narcissistic. Um, <laughs> and one of the, one of the pillars of my blog or what I consider to be hashtag my life of Kai, which mm-hmm. is my thing, right? Um, is is making sure that you prioritize your me time. So here's my perspective, right? We spend we are at work Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. In general, we're at work Monday through Friday. Um, and we are working anywhere from anywhere between nine and five. Some of us start working seven thirty. You first wake up, you answer your first email. Mm-hmm. Some of us are still in bed one a.m. Still answering emails or in the office, emailing, updating uh, PSDs, sending out uh, HTMLs, whatever. We're working right mm-hmm. within that time. Your time and your energy is dedicated to the people that you work with or to the company that you work for. Mm -hmm. So it's important for us to take the time that we do get offered to have to ourselves 
to do something for yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't give. I never forget. I had. Um, I saw Susan Taylor, who used to be the EIC. Yes, EIC for Essence Magazine way back in the day, and she gave this. Um, she gave this metaphor of cups being half full and half empty, and mm-hmm. she was like, she, "Well, not not half full, and half empty, overflowing and empty." She was like, you, or, or just full. She said, you can't give from your cup that's already full, because that's for you. You can only give from what's overflowing, because if you give from something that's full, you're, you then become depleted. And I feel like when we don't take time for ourselves, whatever that means, it, to me that doesn't always mean vacation, to me that doesn't always mean Saturday, Sunday. If you don't take moments for yourself to keep yourself full, you're going to be giving from your reserve and not from your overflow, which is what... You should be offering to people. You don't need more than what fills you up with whatever the hell that is for yourself, metaphorically. Amen. You don't need that. You just need what's in your cup, and that's it, and you can make it through the day as long as that reserve don't go nowhere. Hmm. When you start thinking, oh, I have just enough, and you start giving from that just enough, that's when you start lashing out. That's when you start to feel less than. That's when you start <laughs> yeah. to feel like you're not respected. And that's what leads people to fall into depression, to get sick, having emotional, physical ailments, yep. if you will. Like, Because at the end of the day, your project manager, as a producer, I don't know, like, we're not always going to be like, oh, you look like you don't have, you're not full enough today. <laughs> you have to be the one to know when you're not full and you're not doing well. Yep. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's and what that helps with productivity. Well, that's, that's being self-aware. And I think part part of the issue for, and I think this this is just a watch out period, is when it comes to, and I'm just going off of what I've heard as far as what is required, especially when it comes to black and brown people in this in this industry, um, this idea of like passion, mm-hmm. like we want to see that you're passionate about being here, and for a lot of black and brown people that translates into being readily available by any means necessary at all costs for this job because basically that's what this is it's a job <laughs> i give you a service you give me money i get to do hood red stuff that's how this works but for a lot of people and i had to i had to break myself out of this too which is and we were talking about this before we started which is you know, your part is done, especially as a copywriter, right? So I write copy. I'm not laying copy out into the design. So there, like, back in the day, like, there would be times where I would sit there and, like, especially dealing with somebody who wasn't efficient till 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, watching them, like, lay shit out. And then you kind of get to the point where it's like, mm, nah, I'm good. I'm going home. Um, you knew what time this had to be done, so <laughs> it's time for me to bounce. But like that, that idea of, and I think this is, especially when it comes to this industry, and it's not just black and brown people, it's across the board, this idea that you need to be passionate about your job. I think that's bullshit. Um, I don't think that you need to be passionate about anything but yourself. You just need to be good at this shit. And if you're good at it, 
that would translate into your work. You make sure that yeah. that what you're putting out isn't half ass. But because when it comes to a lot of this shit, a lot of these white boys, they don't give a fuck. And that's just to be quite frank. They're the ones who will they will go home and at five o'clock, six o'clock, whatever it is, if they have something to do. But when it comes to people of color and women, you're you're judged a lot of the times on how much more effort you're putting in than your white male counterparts. Right, because we've go, because we've come up, or I've come up, mm-hmm. always feeling like I'm not good enough in work or in school. Hell, what was I watching the other day? Uh, no, I was in church. I got a word from the Lord. Amen. Yesterday at church, um, and. Uh, my pastor was essentially speaking about how a lot of us went to schools that didn't necessarily see where our excellence lie. Mm. And instead of recognizing that we, inclusive of myself, may not necessarily learn the way you want to teach me, but that when we do learn something, we do excel. So my history suck at math. I sucked at math. Like I could not pass a math test to save my life and it didn't matter how much huntington learning center solving learning Silvington learning so whatever whatever, yeah, whatever. Call it. yeah it doesn't matter how much tutoring i received it was really hard for me to pass math mm-hmm. but i excelled in reading like excelled like straight a's my entire life in reading comprehension i excelled in history and my entire, like, like forever, for mm-hmm. as long as I took history, reading comprehension, because to me, they're both the same thing. If you mm-hmm. read the damn book, you know what the hell is on the test. <laughs> you, right? you, you. It, right? <laughs> but because of that, in elementary school and in middle school, none of my teachers, none of my teachers would ever want to put me in the higher level classes for those things because I was seen as just an average or just barely adequate student because of my math. Wow. And it wasn't until I got to high school and a teacher realized that I was really, really, really good at those things that he, who happened also to be a white man, recomm- called my parents and recommended that they take me out of his class and put me in somebody's honors class because I don't deserve to be there. Wow. You know, you see what I'm saying? And when you grow up being told that you're not good enough, you start to look around and feel like, oh, snap, I have to work harder. I have to do this more. I have to study harder. And it's not, that's not always the case. You don't always have to work harder, to Simeon's point, to be as good, but we will overcompensate for that at Mm. jobs. And sometimes, you know what it is? Sometimes people just don't like you. And it doesn't matter how hard you work, they're just not going to like you, period. That's real. So what are you working hard for? What are you killing yourself for? Literally for some people. For some people that don't it's want you li- there or don't right. value. Maybe it's not even that deep. Maybe they just don't value you as much as you deserve to be valued. So that's why it's important for you to take time for yourself. So knowing that that's the case, how should we deal with peer pressure to stay at work in solidarity or the peer pressure to work harder and overcompensate for um, feeling like we want to be seen as equal or better than? I feel like for me, what I'm learning is the self-awareness because although I do want to be, I'm putting my own definition of what I would consider a team player onto myself. And there are times where 
it affects and in, in the past I feel like now I've, I've pushed through it a little bit more but in the past it affected my confidence because even if I didn't didn't really like the work or really felt like sorry <laughs> I didn't feel oh wait let me to stop no oh sorry <laughs> but even there are times what I, I mean the biggest lesson that I've learned is to be aware for myself like sometimes as elementary as this may sound I do have to ask myself like did I contribute my 100% like am I proud of the work that I have done instead of thinking about what what someone's 100% may look like it's more of like what is 100% to me like did I what does full effort mean to me as opposed to I don't know that's that I maybe I'm going crazy but that's how I really used to think and it really mm -hmm. tired me out and now it's more like I need to have the confidence to know like what I did for the day. I'm proud of what I did for the day. Like I'm proud of how I adapted to a situation or whatever, instead of thinking what my boss may think and stressing myself out and not feeling adequate. Yeah, I think, I think for me that that makes a lot of sense. Some of my tips, like it's easy to fall into your peer pressure, but like I said, over time and I say it, a lot like I I feel like it's important to value myself right. I feel like nobody at work is gonna care about they and I know this isn't a hundred percent true but I feel like people care more about what I can do for them when I'm in a work environment more so than who I am for myself or what I need to do for myself right mm -hmm. and that's not the case for everybody mm -hmm. it's just that is just how I've learned to cope or think about being in a work environment yeah. so a couple of things that I like to do for myself is to always remind, like, when things get really tough, like I said, Feb February and March were really stressful for me at work because we there were or a lot of projects going on. There was a lot to manage. You know, just, it was just a lot. The number one thing that I constantly tell myself and that I do like to remind my friends when they're getting stressed out at work is, like, at the end of the day, this isn't who I am, right? This isn't me. I'm not, my name is not digital producer. My name is Kai Devereaux Lawson. So I need to think about my priorities. And my priorities are my lifestyle, like how I live, how I eat, how I relax, how I'm able to be there for family. And what any job is for me at the, at the end of the day is a sponsorship. Mm -hmm. I'm not the girl that can go out there and just get a sugar daddy. I will... Unfortunately, <laughs> never be able to truly be a sugar baby because I do not have the time to build the temperament or the... I'm just not passive enough to just let people that I'm not here for, attracted attracted to, tell me crazy shit. I just don't want to hear it. Some sugar daddies want to be bounced around. Listen, even you saying it, that sounds really weird to me. <laughs> and I might tell him about himself because... Why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> right? So I know that I'm never going to be the opportunity to be a sugar baby. But who does sponsor me is the entity that, I, that I'm working for at any given moment. They give me the money so that I can go buy my own food. Hey. They give me the money so I can go book my own trips. Hey. They give me the money so that when I want to do hood rat shit with my friends, guess what? Nobody can say anything about it because... The sponsor has already sponsored the ratchet activities. Amen. Mm -hmm. Right? Woman empowerment. 
They hey. sponsor my women empowerment. They sponsor whether or not I buy razors to shave my legs. Anyway, beyond <laughs> all of that, what I'm trying, like, my what my point is, is like, look at it as a means to the for the goals or a means to the ends, right? It's not what defines me. I can take it or leave it. I can do anything I want to do. And that's where I'm at. You know? That's where I'm at. But I also need to be able to provide for myself and to provide for people in my circle that may or may not need it for whatever reason. Right. And that's what this job uh, uh, offers me. The other thing is, to Simeon's point, and I saw a TED Talk on this a while ago, you're, everybody is not going to work in their, their, their passion or field of passion and love their job and, and you're not all going to just, everybody, everybody just can't live that life. Mm-hmm. But there is something about it that you can be passionate about. Mm-hmm. Anything about it. You may not necessarily, you, you may have wanted to work in the music industry and ended up in advertising and guess what? It doesn't it mean it doesn't mean that you you can't be passionate about your work. It means that whatever tools that you were using trying to get into the into music or whatever else, you can apply that here because those skills are transferable. And you and guess what? In your free time you can still buy as much music and let's do as many Apple playlists as you feel like it because that's your me time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's the value for self that becomes so much more important than the value of waking up going to an office or going to a workspace and spending hours and energy for something and looking at it like, oh, I hate this. No, you don't hate getting paid. Hey. I mean, I, I think. I never hated getting paid. I, I think you hit on something, like, really important, which is, like, your your job, what defines you, right? So you're saying that, like, your job doesn't define you. When and for a lot of people, that is something that they have to grow into. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that self awareness of this is who I am. This is this is what I like. These are the. I mean, it's like the same thing with a relationship. Like you know, what I'm saying like you have to grow into the space where you know who you are as and in the as an individual because. For work-life balance to be a thing for you, you have to know the type of life that you want to live. And that life needs to be very specific to you. For a lot of people, they right now, in this moment, they may want to work 12-hour days because maybe they're running away from their lives. Um, (laughs) I mean, like, it's... it's, That's real. I'm just, like, I just visualize all the things that you say, and that's why I'm laughing. (laughs) I I think a a big part of understanding what work-life balance is is understanding who you are as a uh, as a person mm-hmm. because if you don't know what it is that you like, um, if you don't know what it is that motivates you, what drives you, what is that thing that you actually want to do, do mm-hmm. as a person? Like some people want to travel, some people want to do art, um, and that's and their job is basically a um, their their job is basically like Kai said they're sponsored for facilitating all mm-hmm. of these things that they're really passionate about. If you are truly passionate, and 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 this is gonna sound crazy or fucked up, but I don't think anybody's truly passionate about advertising. Like you, I think you're passionate about the 
what advertising stands does, yeah. does yep. and stands for the the creativity, um, the fact that we do, and for for some of us who work on cool brands, um, we do contribute to culture. We can. St- do you know you say contribute and not contribute? Oh man, I wrote this down, down a while ago. Hole. Sorry, I just I wrote it down Contribute. and I meant to tell you whatever. I Contribute. just wanted to know if you knew that you said it. It's just, it's just one of Sim's words. Okay, sorry. Contribute. So, so we contributed to, to the idea. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Sim. We love you. <laughs> See, but the thing is, I'm a grown ass man. Hey. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> okay. and you know that self. Okay. No, I just okay. asked okay. the question. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. My acting's from everywhere. I'm from all these places. Like Cardi B. Anyway. Um, I mean, but but under like when you when you, I mean, people are passionate about the idea of advertising. If you are passionate about consumerism, mm-hmm. you need to check yourself. You like you need to have a, like a conversation with yourself about what it is about that that um that you're passionate about mm-hmm. in the same breath i understand that advertising and marketing is essential for basically survival right because without advertising and marketing you cannot have businesses right mm-hmm. because if no one knows about your business if no one knows about your product if nobody knows about your benefits like we basically stimulate the economy but to be passionate about advertising to the point or or anything to the that that is your job unless it's something that you, that, that you live and breathe to the point where you are and one of the reasons why we're having this conversation is because uh where is that dude at the, the guy who died Asian dude. Oh, there was a few. No, but there were a few. There was a few. But over the over the last couple of years, there was one in the Philippines recently, and a few years ago when we were working together, there was YNR. Yeah, 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 from YNR. So like, yeah, over the last couple of years, people have literally been working themselves to death. (laughs) So (laughs) I mean, like, to when when you think about it in the context of what it is that that we do, this shit ain't worth it. Like it's 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 not like to put all of your energy, all of your eggs, all of your your time and your just everything into this sounds crazy as fuck. Um, don't do it. And if you are doing it, you should probably have a conversation with yourself. Go to the back of your closet, turn off all the lights, <laughs> um, and really sit down and think about why it is that you are devoting so much time to something that you don't own i think it's not really for me the reason i'm at the beginning stage of really recognizing why am i here why am i doing this and seeing how work fits in with the overall picture of karina it's at first i would drive myself to like not like physical death because i'm here but like literal death because i wanted to like show that like I wanted to be promoted faster. I wanted to like speed the process. I know I could do this. I wanted to show my worth. And I came to a point where I was nearly crashing down and it's like, this is, I'm not showing my worth. I'm not showing like mat- work maturity. I'm actually showing work immaturity. 
I'm not using my time and I'm making, I'm not using, I'm not being productive as I thought I was. You know, one of, on my way to, um, on my work trip, I was listening to a podcast. It's called Hidden Brain, and they did an episode on tunnel vision. And they started off with this story of this woman who lost her job. And from then, it just like cascaded down to like points where she was she was losing money like she, well not losing money but she was using money and not money and money wasn't coming in and she was so desperate to get a credit card when she got a credit card she like maxed it out knowing very but knowing very well that she couldn't pay it back mm-hmm. and, yolo but wait hold on be like that <laughs> why, are you, why are we judging her? Okay, listen, I'm no one to speak on anyone's financial problems. She knew where her passion was. <laughs> she wanted to do her direction. Don't treat me like she executed this perfectly. <laughs> she knew what to but do. But the flip side of it is that, you know, once she maxed out, all she could focus on was money. And, and you know, when we're broke and poor, you know, we set this tunnel vision that all we can think about is money. And we go into this savage, I don't mean to say savage, but we go in this crazed form of like, we'll do anything that we can to get what we need because that's the only thing that we can focus on. Are you talking about prostitution? What? But I'm not talking <laughs> about, pro- I'm not, stem. <laughs> what I'm where? saying is, is uh-huh. that for some people, the tunnel vision is that next promotion and that's the only thing that they can focus and zero on. And that type of thinking doesn't equal a promotion all the time. It can actually equal to their demise. And so it's not necessarily always the love of advertising. It's love of succeeding in their own career, but they lose the sight of what really matters. I mean, but does does that mean money? Because that's I, probably... It mean anything to... I don't know. For me, I mean, it was like I wanted to be promoted and I ended up like not... I ended up wait, like wasting my time and then wasting up my energy. I mean, the, re- the reality is is like we're not just here for making cool shit. We're also here for the money. Um, because more money, more fun. I mean, like, that's just the way. Re- re- and that equals that. But what I'm saying is, like, when you get into that tunnel vision, you money. can't. When you get into any type of tunnel vision, you lose perspective of, the, of like, you only focus on the 10%, not thinking about the rest of the 90%. Hmm. I guess. So for people, when I do read those stories from old Philippines and all that, like people are drive. I don't know what they're driving themselves for, but it is something well, that they can focus on, and it has a and the, they missed out. They're focusing on that ten percent, and they missed out on the whole ninety percent, taking care of themselves, being like things like that. Well, because mm. there, I mean, there are some people, a lot of people actually, um, are. Groomed, raised mm. to prioritize excellence. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> but I think it is a bad thing. And I'll tell you right. why. Because when you don't meet whatever that expectation of excellence is, you're going to do nothing except try to be excellent. Mm. And we all know for real, for real, for real, perfection is not a real thing. Maybe perfection is the word I'm looking for. Maybe not necessarily excellence. Yeah. Because I think that both of those things 
are just other people's perception of whatever the hell you got going on. Or maybe that's just what I told myself so that I don't always fall to the to the ground and rock myself to sleep as I cry, right? <laughs> but listen, mm-hmm. when you strive to be perfect, when you strive to be validated, this is like this is a a, a testament of validation. When you strive to be validated by other people to name you perfect because that's all you want you, you can kill yourself right 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 because if 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 you want to be something that doesn't exist and you're not going to do anything but find it in your every being every fiber of your being to be perfect knowing you'll never attain it what the hell are you working for mm. <laughs> i mean and then you don't have any like there's Nothing, nothing else. Like yeah. it's nothing to like this. My my, I have to work. I have to work a hundred hour week because we have to do X, Y, and Z. This is why out here, I'll say in the states. I don't know a lot of. That's why a lot of people have. The first time somebody told me that I wasn't curing cancer it when trying to doors. do some work, yeah. it opened my whole mind. Yeah. I was like, shit, I am not. <laughs> Curing cancer. I don't even know what and even they go the home. first step to care. Yeah. What am I doing? And like, I, I tell you guys this: I don't wear matching socks. I will. You'll never. You'll. You will rarely catch me wearing matching socks, even when they're both white. I'm gonna ask you about your socks next time. Just look. I don't she wore flats today. today. I don't have socks on today. <laughs> I wear ballet flats. But listen, I used to get so I used to get so anxious I used to have really I guess I still do have bad anxiety but I was not managing my anxiety back in like high school middle mm. school high school and one day I got so upset I felt like I just I literally just went into like a whole spaz and I realized that I was just spazzing over socks 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 nope it wasn't college this is when I stopped matching oh, my socks socks I was in my room I was looking for socks that match and I just flipped Completely flipped. And Did you have a roommate? Down. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. Not at this time. And I realized that I'm sitting here, and I got chest pains, and I'm sweating, what? and my head hurt, and I'm dizzy, and I'm just mad, real mm. mad, because I can't find socks, because my socks need to match. And I was like, who the fuck is going to see my socks? This is like the dead of winter. Ain't nobody seeing shit but these sweatpants, this, this sweatshirt under this jacket, if I have to unzip it. These hats and these gloves. Why do my socks need to match? From that day forward, I decided I'm not going to. My socks are the last thing that have to be perfect. I got all these grades to worry about. I got all this tuition to worry about. I got all this other social shit in, in college that I got to worry about. And you know what? No. Nope. I'm not doing it. And I just decided I'm not to. You know what that did for me? To this day, I don't even fold my socks. That is one less thing that stresses me out when I do laundry. One less thing that stresses me out every day. One less thing that stresses me out when it comes to being judged by other people. Because I don't give a fuck. And you hey. know what? None of y'all knew my socks didn't match until this, hey, this moment. right? <laughs> no, but I, I think it's important. I mean, you know now and now you're going to see. But like, <laughs> the amount of pressure you put on yourself to be perfect in such small ways will literally drive you to to demise. Like yes. an emotional demise, a physical demise. Like, 
For what? And I think that that's why people put so much pressure on themselves at work to be perfect. You're putting all of your focus on the almighty dollar. You're putting all your focus on how people perceive you. You're putting all your purpose or all of your, uh, your energy into being, to competing with other people that don't even give, don't, don't right. nobody worried about you. Right. You out here, well, if this person gets a promotion before me, child, listen, there are millions of jobs in the sea with hey. different titles. Okay. I don't know about this Trump era. It's just, but <laughs> the, the, the point is, it's like, when you prioritize it. anything or anybody else but yourself, especially when it comes to your job or your career, you lose sight of what's important and it is easy to lose sight of yourself. Right. And I feel like for me, what's been helping me cope with this, because I had a whole, I had an issue with like perfection and stuff. I got to a point where I'm like, you know what? What? I really should be worried about myself. And like, am I happy with myself? Am I happy with my work? And can I stand up for my work? That's what matters to me. And that's what's been helping me. I mean, that's, that's all that should matter because you can't take none of this with you. Amen. But you can't take the hood rap memories. So, you know, you just hey, want to. Right? You want to make as much money as possible so that you can create those. Exactly. And you have to have that confidence since, like, at the end of the day, like, the higher, the thing is, the higher you, you go, the more independent you got to stand for your work. So, meh. So, no, I mean, I think that all makes sense. So then my last question then becomes, what do y'all do to keep or sustain your work-life balance, and what are active steps people could take? First of all, just stop folding your socks. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I think it's being self-aware. It's like... But what do you do? What do I do? Yeah, what do you do? Legally do. (laughs) I mean, I think... (laughs) For me, it's... I get to, I know I usually get to a point where my I just mentally shut down. <laughs> like this is just <laughs> I mean it's but it's it's your it's your it's my um it's my defense mechanism, right? Mm. So it's like I know what I'm spent and when I'm spent that's it. Like it's it's there's there's really like I'm not going to do like my whole thing is I don't like to put out half-assed work. Mm. So there may be times when I do work a little bit later or I do wake up a little bit earlier to make sure that what I'm putting out is good. Because the other the, the other thing is, like, we have to do quality work. Mm-hmm. The, the idiom or the saying that goes through a lot of black households, which is you need to be twice as good, is real. Like, we, because we are being judged a little bit differently so I may work a little bit later sometimes I may wake up a little bit earlier sometimes but when I'm spent I'm spent Uh and I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna turn off my email and I'm not gonna open it and I'll talk to you when I get to work yeah on the weekend I'm turning off my email I'm not gonna open it I'll talk to you on Monday if it was that important you would have told me on Friday before I left Amen. You didn't tell me on Friday. It's not getting done. You can wait. Mm. That's something yeah. that, yeah, those are definitely things I've started to, to do also. Um, I think, yeah, self-awareness is important in order to care for self. Mm-hmm. Um, like Simeon was talking about, giving yourself time 
for self get, making sure you prioritize your me time when mm-hmm. you have it. Um, something that I've been doing as a piece of stress management, because I think stress management is another thing that we don't understand. Like, listen, mental stability is a real ass thing. Obviously, like we saw the news today, San Bernardino Elementary School, terrible, terrible tragedy. Um, obviously, I don't know the story, but I will go on a limb and and say that I'm sure that there was some stress that may or may have led for this person to become that enraged to, to do whatever, whether it is because you needed to talk to somebody or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. What I've started to do when I recognize that I'm reaching my high, like my peak anxiety mm-hmm. points or if work is getting stressful or if something else that I'm working on is getting stressful, is I will purposely go do something for myself before I go to work. So if I have a lot going on at work, I got a lot of of, um, deliveries coming up or I have a lot of presentation or whatever, Mm -hmm. and I can feel it in my chest because I know that I carry my stress in my back and in my chest. My chest gets heavy, my back hurts. I will literally go, like, that is peak time for me to go to the gym in the morning because I felt like I need to do something for myself. Or I will go get go get a nice breakfast like wake up the only time i wake up early is for food hey keeping <laughs> um, it real <laughs> or go get a nice breakfast or treat myself or buy something or go for a walk or i'm coming in late and that's just what it is or yep. start declining calls that you don't need to be on or declining meetings you don't need to be a part of or telling my friends i can't i'm not hanging out with you cuz i can't because it's really important to like give yourself to not feel like you are just living to work mm-hmm. when you start to feel like you're living to work is when it can start to feel like whatever life it is you're living isn't necessarily worth anything that amazing mm-hmm. i mean you that's, feel invaluable if that's a you're, good I'm only test. living to work right so for me if i can give myself the opportunity to live to do something that's not work before i get there knowing that at some point I have to go home too, so I also have that time after work, that gives me some sort of like mental break to say, okay, I'm all right, I'm still a person, I'm still more than just the person that sits in this desk or more than this email account that people reach out to. I'm a person with a real life, and this is just some side shit that I have to do in order to support this life. Amen. And for me, I'm still figuring out what, I know I need to exercise because I can pop off sometimes, but as unrealistic that sounds to people, but I'm learning behaviors. And I think one of the most successful things for me is taking that me time, that me day where I just break from the world and do what I want to do, whether it's watching my show on Netflix, reading an article, taking that whole time for me where I don't feel obligated to be somewhere or to do something for someone. It's literally all about me. And it feels very gratifying. I may be a little more gratifying because I'm an only child, but you it are is an what only it child, is. aren't you? <laughs> it is what it is. Good for you. <laughs> no, you make a lot of more Good sense. Good for you. You didn't also, know that? <laughs> you just no. found that out? I didn't know that either. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. I didn't know that. We learned about You size. make sense now. Oh, okay. What do you mean by that? <laughs> this shade. 
The shade. Also, saying no is important. Yes. I, I feel like Key. we all touched on that without actually giving that as a directive. Like, you have to say no. You gotta say no. Major you gotta key. say no. Like, when you start feeling like people, first of all, we too grown to just be peer pressured. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have to tell people this all the time. I, child, I be at work and people are like, come on, just come on, come on. And like, sometimes I really want to do stuff that they all want me to do, but I'm like, just the fact that this is starting to feel like peer pressure means that I don't need, I'm grown. Yes. I'm a grown ass woman. Mm-hmm. And that's on a funny <laughs> side, but on a serious note, like, it's okay to say if no. you, if honestly, if you can't make it into work that day because you're sick or you're tired yeah. or you're sick and you're tired, do yourself and the people you work with a favor. Sit your ass down at home. Amen. And you, and you know what? Uh, if you can't, if you can't make it to that event after work to meet your home people or whatever, or the three events after work or the seven things on the weekend, say no. Yeah. And even if you have to say no the minute before, and I know some people get so mad, but look, at the end of the day, you're going to be mad at me for a day, maybe a year, depending on what the event is. But you're going to be mad at me. But I've got to, like, i got to go to bed with myself. I mean, and, 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 and to that point. If they were your good friends, they would understand. And to that point, like, I think that's that's a good pressure test for <laughs> if that's a place that you want to work. Because if they do get mad at you for self-care, like you're sick, um, and you can't come and you don't come to work and somebody gets mad at you, that's probably not a place that you want to work. Because those are the places that will pressure you into – Kill, basically killing yourself like with the dude in the philippines like he was working in the hospital when he died so like if you if you're working at a place where um you don't feel comfortable taking a sick day that's probably a place that you don't want to work right because they don't care about you yeah they don't they don't care about. But i mean it's also that's important to set boundaries because like I remember um, one of the places I worked at, it was snowing. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm like as, clumsy as, I, as clumsy as I am, Kai Devereaux Lawson is not working on ice for nobody. I'm not doing it. You can't make me. You can fight me. You might <laughs> you be able to try. To you me. actually <laughs> might be able to try to fire me. Like, I just won't do it. And, like, the... The team of leadership that was not the team of leadership, just really one person. But in general, the consensus was, I mean, you still need to come to work. And I was like, but I can do my job from home. I don't feel comfortable because my walk between my apartment and the train station is not only slippery and slidey, but it's not in a priority zone to be plowed. I'm not coming into work. And they started giving me all the sob stars about how well, when we are, uh, when Sandy happened, Hurricane Sandy happened, we all came to work. And I really asked them, are you proud of yourself for that? Because people <laughs> died, and this is a flood zone. Like, you really have to start to think about it. And that wasn't, their culture was you come to work by any means necessary, but my position was I'm not risking, maybe not necessarily my life, but I'm not going to risk no. broken bones to come here and do some schedules for you. I've been, I walked around your neighborhood in the snow and I was scared. You should have been. I, that year, 
I paused in the park before I got to the train and I cried outside because it was too far from home for me to turn around, but I still had too much for me to walk to get to the train. <laughs> it was just a really rough time in my life that winter. <laughs> so rough <laughs> nevertheless like you do need to learn when to learn how and where to set your boundaries and if your boundaries are set and people still don't respect them to Simeon's point that may not be the place for you culturally amen okay so I think that kind of does it for this episode um Good. I'm happy Karina was here I'm happy oh. to have a full conversation with all the homies yay I guess uh, for any of you that want to check us out on the social medias or uh, hit us up on the interwebs, you can find us at uh, Instagram and Twitter at Ask Mixed Company um, and also Facebook.com backslash Ask Mixed Company and shoot us an email here and there. Tell us how great we are, how bad we are, how cute we look on Instagram, whatever. Um, askmixedcompany at gmail.com um, and until episode 24 we will holler at y'all later peace Bye. out dudes and get dudettes oh that was cute <laughs> I got it you want to make sure you get men and women amen yeah, know, yeah. make a stride awesome <laughs> thanks him bye <laughs>